everyone, and welcome back to another great, super cool radio interview. I'm your host, as always, Matthew Thomas. Thank you so much for tuning in. And before I start talking about my guests, just a quick reminder to thumbs up this video and make sure to subscribe and turn on the notification bell. That way you not miss any new interviews or episodes. I have an incredible guest who will be joining me momentarily. He's a very extensive music career, and I'm super excited to be chatting with him. He is Chris Van Dahl. He was a member of Cherry Street. He was the lead vocalist for LA Guns during their American Hardcore album. He was a member of the Aerosmith tribute band Aeromyth. Currently, he is the lead vocalist for Angels in Vain. This year, Angels in Vain released their debut album entitled Long Time Coming. In this interview, we discuss how the band Angels in Vain came together, writing and recording their debut album, Long Time Coming. Plus, we get to hear a really cool story about Chris meeting Steven Tyler and both of them pulling a prank on Steven Tyler's son. There's so much to discuss in this interview, and I really hope you enjoy. So let's dive into this interview. Before we jump into the show, I want to tell you about our merch store on Threadless. Shop a wide variety of logos with multiple colors and sizes available for each design. Your support is greatly appreciated and helps us continue to make killer content like this episode. Please visit supercoolradio.threadless.com or the link in the description to shop now. I got a really great guest joining me at this time. He's an incredible music career and that I'm very happy to have him on the show. He was a member of the band Cherry Street, lead vocalist for LA Guns during their American Hardcore album, worked with Kid Rock guitarist Ken Olsen, and was a member of the Aerosmith tribute band Aeromyth, and currently the lead vocalist for Angels in Bane. Please welcome Chris Vandell. Well, man, listening to you intro me, it actually sounds like I've done something with my life up to this point. (laughs) I I think you've, I'm doing great. I think you've done quite a bit uh, for your uh, music career, but I'm glad I got the intro right. I got all my uh, research correct, and I'm very happy to have you on the show. You did. You did. You forgot Master Chef. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Is is that the next career move for you? Not likely. (laughs) No, but I am the hardest working guy that avoids work in the business. (laughs) And that's a good title. You might put that on a nameplate. Right. (laughs) But I know we got so much to discuss as I laid out in the intro. The biggest thing that I really want to talk about, because I'm a huge fan of the brand new Angels in Vain album, Long Time Coming. So I definitely, I want to dive in. I want to start talking about that. So before the album, how did Angels and Vain uh, come together as a band? You know, the interesting thing is that Angels and Vain wasn't actually a band when this thing started. Um, what happened, and I'll, and I'll try to synopsize this as successfully as possible because it's kind of a long story. But nutshell version is, I've been performing for Legends in Concert, which is one I think you missed. Um, that's the same thing. Uh, when, I was, when I was performing with Aeromyth, I started with Legends. 
And Legends was the longest running show in Las Vegas at 35 years uh, before they wrapped up their tenure here recently. But I was performing as Steven Tyler for Legends and I've been doing it for, man, I don't know, at the time, maybe eight years or so, for, for quite a while. And I was performing six nights a week on the average two shows a day. So almost 11 shows a week I was doing. And I woke up one day and I was like, man, I love what I do, but I don't know where, you know, I start and Steven Tyler ends. I got to do something different. So I call up my old buddy Taz, who as, you know, anybody familiar with my history knows his guitar player uh, in, in Cherry Street. And he's been my partner in crime for many, many years. We actually moved from Detroit to California together back in the 80s. So I called him up and I said, hey man, I said, look, I, I need to do something different. Let's write a record. No pressure, no timelines. We're not worrying about putting it out or a band. Let's just music that we love. And the next day he sent me like 13 songs. I don't know if he was waiting for the phone to ring or what, but man, he just had them sitting in his drawer. And he was like, I've got all this stuff I've been working on over the years. I'm just gonna kick it down to you and you know, pick what you like, change things. Let's just see where it goes. And I don't know, three of those songs became actually the, the first tracks that anybody ever heard from the band. And so we decided to move forward with this thing and we were just kind of quietly doing it by ourselves. And I got a phone call from Stacy Blades. Um, Stacy, who is now with Crashing Oil, we're doing very well, very, very proud of him, very happy for him. Um, but at the time, I think he was about to or had just left LA Guns but we've been friends for years and trying to get together to do something, whether it's just a one-off or whatever. And he called me up. This is right after David Bowie passed away. And he's like, hey, he goes, uh, I know some people I'm working with. We're, we're putting on a benefit concert. Um, and it's a Bowie thing. Do you want to sing? And the timing seemed right. And I was like, that would be really cool. So I was like, yeah, of course. So let's do this. You know, we're both in Vegas at the time. And... Uh, so we started talking about it and it turns out one of the other guys involved at the time was um, Eric Stacy, who was former bass player for Faster Pussycat. And so we're trying to put this thing together, make it happen. Stace calls me back and he's like, he goes, look, I, I don't know if this is going to happen. There's there's conflict with the venue and this and that. And, and I was like, you know what? It's cool. You know, things are busy. He's like, well, what else are you doing? You know, and I, and I might have dropped that I was working with Taz and he's like, well, do you have music? I said, yeah, we got a couple things. And he's like, well, send the music to me. And I was like, eh. and he's like, come on, man. Send so I did. Um, I sent him like three tracks and like two hours later, my phone rang and he's like, dude, he's like, I, I, I got this other guy. Look, we want to be the band. And I said, what do you mean you want to be the band? He's like, well, you don't have a band, right? I said, yeah. He's like, well, we want to be the band. And I said, well, who's we? And he's like, well, right now, me and Eric Stacy. And I was like, really? I said, all right, well, look, because I hadn't been thinking about this at that point. You know, it wasn't about that. So I called Taz up and, and I said, hey, this is what's going on. And he goes, you know what I mean? They're great players. Let's get into a room and see what happens. Well, we were still shy of drummer. We're like, what are we going to do for a drummer? So um, Eric knew Vic Fox pretty well. Uh, and if you that don't know, Vic, Vicky Fox was 
drummer for Enough's Enough. Um, so we called Vic up and Vic was into it. And Vic was supposed to be the drummer, actually. Uh, a short period of time later, he called up and he had like an emergency. Him and his wife had a business and he had to like rush out of the country. So it was kind of a big deal. And he's like, I'm not going to be able to do this. He goes, but I know this guy. He's amazing. Call him. You know, and, and that was Troy Patrick Farrell. So basically, Vic named his own replacement. We got a hold of Troy, and he was into it. And that is essentially how Angels and Vanos formed. So that's, that's how the original actual band happened. But the material we were working on at that time was already written. So as a band, we hadn't written anything. But we decided to get into a studio. And so we went over to um, Desert Moon here in Vegas, which, you know, for anybody that doesn't know, you'll hear that a lot, right? Um, is Danny Coker, the Count. So Counting Cars, that's Danny Coker's place. That's his studio. And the amazing Stoney Curtis, who's a guitarist in Count 77, uh, runs the studio for Danny. So we went into the studio and we cut raw footage for like three videos and, and did a rehearsal and it was all really cool. And the videos you guys have seen are the end result of my weak production skills but uh that is that is the angels and Vane that people knew at the time the band first launched and then there were some member changes and now adam curry i'm, I'm proud to say long time friend i did the pack of wolves thing with kenny olsen adam curry um who was also for the old hard rock fans he was legs diamonds bass player uh he's with Candlebox, uh sons of silver he's a busy guy fantastic player and great demand but um he is our bass player we're currently a four piece so that's a Very lot nice. i told you hey you did tell me ahead of time you did preference that but i i'm well a lot lot to unpack with that uh but uh, i i do apologize i missed the uh, legends i'm sorry i missed that in my research but uh no no big deal i didn't think it's a big deal <laughs> that's true but yeah. uh, to me like just um hearing about angels and veins i know um it, to me it sounds like it's like a, a really super group of a lot of very talented uh musicians that are coming together i know you haven't like written uh too much like as, as the band as the you know as your current lineup but um you got a great music with the new album long time coming and i definitely look forward to seeing like where you guys go from here as a band yeah i mean I'm, I, I hear a super group and I tend to cringe because that implies guys that got together so people would say, hey, they're a super group, but that's really not what the case. If that was the case, you know, it's like we would have just continued to find the most famous. Well, actually, I mean, the guys that we have in the men are pretty well known. So I, I get the point of reference. I guess they're a super group. You know what I mean? I'm just fortunate enough to be playing with guys that are so good at what they do. Oh, definitely. You're very top uh, quality professionals and, and yourself as well. Don't sell yourself short. You are uh, another great uh, professional musician as well. But I, I did want to talk about the uh, the album a uh, long time coming. I've had the opportunity to listen to it. And what I really like about it, it has like that old school vibe to it, but like with a modernized twist to it, if that uh, makes any sense for anyone watching or listening. But that's the way I would describe it. Yeah, it makes you know what? It makes perfect sense. It's It's, it's well described and I mean, there, there are reasons for that. It, it's not an accident, but it's also not just by design. You've got guys that have been doing this for so long 
that all our influences are definitely bound to bleed through. But you also have guys that understand the technology. Taz is a brilliant producer, engineer. I mean, a lot of the modern rock albums that you guys have heard today are old school bands, like great bands that you're familiar with. Um, like um, Bang Tango and um, I think he's mixed out some of the rat stuff. Anthony Fox, who handles our mastering, has done everybody. I mean, including Guns N' Roses. Like, so you've got guys that, like I said, they understand the technology, but they have all these old influences. So that stuff really does tend to it come together. It comes together and, and, and it kind of morphed us into what we are. Oh, definitely. I, I really like the attitude uh, of just the whole album from start to finish. The the, um, the album itself just has a really uh, strong attitude to it. Like, you know, like we're going to rock your face off, kick your ass kind of like attitude. Does it? <laughs> <laughs> to me, at least from listening, that that's that's what I get. Uh, no, I'm uh, asking because I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm not being facetious. Seriously, like I, I love to hear what people think um, because I never feel like I get enough feedback, you know, I, I always want to know what the opinions are. I mean, I didn't write it, or we didn't write it, being concerned about that, but but it's great to hear what comes across and, and how it affects people. I don't care if people love or hate the album, I just, I want it to affect them on some level emotionally. And I think it moves in a lot of different directions, and I know that can be confusing until you've actually spent some time with it, but, you know, I'll, I'll reference like Appetite for Destruction. I remember when I first heard that record, I was like, how many singers do these guys have? You know what I mean? Because Axel's so many different places on that album. And what seemed hard to pin down as an identity soon became that band's identity, you know? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I love hearing what your impressions are. Oh yeah, for sure. I, um, you know, I, with what I do, you know, the people I interview, the music that comes across, you know, through my emails, it takes, a, it takes a little bit for me to get interested in some. So when I started listening to it, I couldn't stop listening to it. And I was like, this, this is good music. This is what I want to listen to. The whole album has just a really great flow. As I said, just from beginning to end, just has such a great flow that like, you can't really stop listening. Like just in between, you have to like, listen the whole thing to experience it. I love that because it is an album and this is a day and age when people are just worried about dropping singles. You know, I mean, when we first started this thing, that's kind of how it happened with us too. It was like, well, we only had singles. We didn't have an album when this thing started. And all of a sudden it's like half a million people talking about this on Facebook. This is, you know, 2016 when we first started talking about it, man, I got it. I had no idea how people were going to respond. You know, and I put the teaser clip out and it was just like, it's like the world was ready and then the phone was ringing and it was like management companies and booking agencies and record companies and everybody's like, all right, let's put it out on the road. And the band was like, yeah, let's do that. And I'm like, wait, what? Wait, what? No, we're not. This isn't that. We're not ready for that. And they're like, well, we'll play some LA Gun songs and we'll play some White Lion songs. And I was like, no. Not that I have anything against any of that, but that's not what this was, like I said, not what this was about. So we put on the brakes and we took it back to, to ground zero. And now there's an actual album. And it took a long time, but, you know, we also had pretty three pretty hardcore years of pandemic stuff happening. It completely shut down live music. The world is a big question mark. And they're just 
there wasn't really a reason for Vile to release it up till this point. You know, and, and the greatest joke, and I hear this, is like, you know, the Chinese democracy. Again, the Guns N' Roses reference, but it's like, nobody believed this album was coming out. And I kept going like, yeah, I mean, because it's been done for a while, for the most part. I mean, some mixing or whatever had to get finished up, but I knew it was getting released, but people were like, yeah, sure. <laughs> but now, it's out. That's right. And you got the physical copies. You might not be able to get a copy because I know the first couple of runs are sold out. So, oh. yeah, you can always download though. And that's mostly what people do. In fact, it surprises me how many people actually purchased hard copies. I didn't think anybody had a CD player anymore. Well, I, I can tell you that, um, well, I drive a 2003 car and that is the only thing I have in my car is a CD player. I hear you. <laughs> right, so you're the guy that bought all those copies. <laughs> that's that's right. We got a whole case behind well, this backdrop. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it is it is very interesting. Like the the physical copy is starting to come back. I've seen a bands like some forty one like selling cassettes for their albums now. It's uh, yeah. it's crazy. Cassettes. Wow. Okay. Well, I know that vinyl's gone up like hundred and forty eight or no 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 vinyl's gone up like four hundred percent. That's what vinyl's gone up and rock music in the past two years has gone up like 188 percent i'm not a scientist i just hear this stuff you know what i mean like sales or whatever so that's definitely on the rise and you keep seeing like all these great bands coming out and the reemergence of a lot of great bands that have been around for a long time so keep keep going that way people Oh no! It definitely it, it's so cool to see, and it's so I'm very happy to see that like like rock music getting you know obviously as you said increase in sales that vinyl is you know really making a comeback. I think last year or maybe two years ago as well that uh, overtook CDs uh, for physical copies bought. So it, it's a cool time to live in for sure. Yeah, it is. It is. It's an interesting time. I think uh, we're seeing, like I said, we're seeing a lot more vinyl that's coming back around. Um, people are just, they're getting interested in, I think the whole idea of being able to hold something tangible in their hand again, you know what I mean? Cause that was the thing about albums and people that experienced that when it was, you know, first time out seventies or whatever. I mean, long before the seventies, but you know, I, I, I was a kid in the seventies and I get into my older brother's record collection, man. And I'm like, I'm holding the first Van Halen album and I'm just, I'm like, wow, and you take out the sleeve and you're looking at the liner notes and the photos. And there's something legit about that. When you drop that album and you put the needle on the wax, it's like, wow. It's very, very different from downloading. It sounds really different too, you know, because it's analog. It's not all digital. Oh yeah, for sure. No, I uh, I love the sound of uh, you know vinyl records. That it is it's very different from like listening to a vinyl record compared compared to like listening on your phone or on your computer or something like that. It's a very unique experience. For sure. So definitely, but hopefully you do get some uh, more copies in store because I definitely want to get a get a copy of the new album. But I did want to talk about so like how was it for you guys? This album's been you know mostly completed for a little bit now, but how was it like putting the uh, album uh, track list together, like to get that flow from like the song to song? Uh, did you have any, any uh, hand in doing that? Yeah, actually, Taz and I picked the the order of songs, you know, and um, I think he sent me a copy of what he thought the right order was. And 
you know, I made whatever changes I thought made sense and we kind of settled in the middle. And I mean, it took like three minutes, man. <laughs> it was just like, this is how the record feels. And, and, and we listened to it from top to bottom and went, yeah, this makes sense. And I, I think that like tempos and relative keys and stuff like that on his end actually played some part in what songs he feels like belong in what place. Um, he, he's got great comprehension of that kind of stuff. And I'm more of a just, this feels right. And that just kind of lined up, it, it worked out. It wasn't, it wasn't a real challenge or anything. Uh, that's one of the reasons um, this album was able to come out after so long is because we've always worked together well. You know, there's very little conflict. Well, we're not like a, a Tyler and a Perry where we have that love-hate relationship. It's mostly just love. You know what I mean? It's like the oil and water thing. But our dynamic works regardless. You know what I mean? Some people, they need that thing to, to drive them. Uh, but it just works, so... No, that's really good to hear, especially to have that chemistry and that working relationship that you guys can get stuff done and, um, you know, that you actually, um, you know, enjoy each other's company, you know, because I hear a lot of bands that are like, you know, I don't like this band member or whatever. So it's really nice to actually hear that you guys get along so great and work very well together. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're very fortunate. We go back so many years and not everybody has relationships that last that long. In fact, in particular, in the music industry, when you've got somebody that you work with, you know what I mean? It's like, we're all, you know, pig headed and strong minded and single minded and egomaniacs. And you know what I mean? So, you know, we all have our issues and everybody's doing it for their own reasons or whatever the case may be. At least that's what I hear. So, yeah, I count myself lucky, man. I'm around really fantastic people. Oh, you know, you definitely are. As we, we talked about earlier in this interview, you got a lot of great musicians. You got uh, really good relationships with them. And, you know, as you said, you know, pull, uh, you know, some of these have gone back many decades from a previous bands, as I listed uh, in the intro. Yeah. 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 Actually, um, bringing up previous bands, I do want to do a quick shout out because I, I it's it'd be criminal not to recognize this contribution. Um, I was in two different bands for a period of time uh, back through the 90s. And uh, those bands were the uh, Boneyard and The Vow. And Adam Curry also played in Boneyard. And Adam is our current bass player, um, long, long time friend. But uh, Paul Alvarez, he's actually co-writer contributor to one of the tracks on the album, which is, I think it's the last track on the album. In fact, it's Trip of a Lifetime. We wrote that song together. We co-wrote it many, many years ago. So, you know, credit where credit is due. So that that one kind of came from the outside. And for, for people that know their history and they know about Boneyard and The Vow, they'll find that interesting. And it's a great tune. It's, it's a pretty heavy, heavy song. Uh, I'm not going to say it leans like towards American hardcore or anything like that, but for people that like that kind of thing, it's more in that ballpark, genre speaking. Yeah, I, def I definitely agree with that. And actually, I'm not familiar with um, uh, the two bands that you listed uh, for the um, for them. But it, it, again, it's so cool that you know that you have you know, maintain these relationships that you still work with these people even you know so many years later as well. Yeah, 
Yeah, it is. It's it's kind of an amazing thing, you know. It, it definitely, yeah, it it definitely is, and it's um, again, it's just it's just so cool because we talk about with the music industry that sometimes you know, it, it, uh, you know, relationships and um stuff like that doesn't doesn't last long, or like you kind of go grow distant and whatever. So to maintain those and to still work with them, even you know, uh, many years later, and also with you know previous bands um that you still remain in contact. Yeah, yeah, I've been I've been fortunate on that level for sure. Um, you know, in many ways, when you're a career musician, your band is your family uh, because that's where your focus is, especially if you're serious. I mean, to be honest, there's not, especially in the beginning, not room for much else. At least that's my feeling on it. Like, I didn't have time for anything else because I knew whatever I was doing, there was somebody else right behind me that was either doing it better or doing it longer or you know what i mean so those people you're in many ways man they're going to make you or they're going to break you because you get one wrong guy in your band man it only takes one hole to drain a tub doesn't matter how small the hole is eventually it's going to empty out and and personalities are like that so finding the right people it, it says a lot. I can say this about Cherry Street. Almost all the guys that were in that band are still active in the industry in one form or another. So pretty dedicated guys. That's a pretty cool thing, you know. And the same thing with all the guys in Angels of Bain. They're all serious, man. They, they all have their things that they do, and they're very good at it, and they're respected, and, and people know about them. It's cool. Oh, for sure. And, you know, you said it said it very well you know obviously as we were, we were talking about with the with the members who were who were in the band that they are very respected and they're very dedicated uh to what they're doing and um and to the extent that if they're going to put something out with their name on it they know it has to be right yeah 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 it's true for sure and i i do want to talk about last thing i want to talk about well, actually i had two more things to talk about angels of veins i do want to i do have a few other questions i did want to ask you but uh, the, the artwork, uh, as, as you showed with the physical copy, uh, how did that come about? Okay, so you talking about the, the cover? Yeah, both, yeah, both the, all, the complete artwork. Okay, so we have an amazing friend, um, uh, and this guy's a rock star in his own right. His name is John Charles, and, and John is the founder, creator of uh, Rebellion and Truth photography um, and whatever other endeavors, you know, his business, he, he, he does like merch stuff and whatever, but his photography is, is absolutely amazing. And it's an interesting story. And I don't think I've ever told it how, how we got together with John, but um, back in 16, when the band was breaking, there was actually talk of us being on the Grammy show. Yeah. <laughs> that's for that's a that's a real thing and john was shooting artists for the grammys so we were put together um by the person that was setting all of that up in fact it was set up and when we had the implosion um with the current band members it kind of went to hell on a handbasket but Anyway, long story short, we built a relationship with John, and John had come out to shoot the band on several occasions. He shot the band 
with the original um, members, and then he came out and shot us again. Uh, when Adam joined the band, we we switched gears to being a four-piece. So we had this concept, and the cover model, her name is Brent Amberley, and she's a pretty well-known girl. I mean, she's a model. She's a pro model. That's what she does. And she was a friend of the family's. So when we approached Brent about it, she was like, yeah, man, I'd be happy to do it. And at that time, attractive girls that were tattooed were pretty rare. You know what I mean? Like right now, forget about it. It's like every girl you see sleeves, you know. Back when I got tattooed, it was like prison inmates and rock stars. Like those are the guys that were getting tattooed. Now everybody's a grandfather. Everybody's tattooed. And it's not a big deal anymore. It's just common. It's like purple and green hair. It's like you almost don't want to do it anymore because everybody's doing it. But but Bryn was kind enough to say, yeah, let's do this. And we had this concept. And we wanted to launch a different photo of Bryn for every single. So the art was connected to that song. And that was kind of the idea. And something got lost in translation because it didn't end up going exactly how we planned because we lost so much time in there. Um, so we just used the coolest of what was left. And, you know, we understand that there's a certain level of offensive offense that can be taken to that photo on the back. And that's great be offended, you know, but there are no children in this photograph and everybody was a consenting adult. Yeah, I don't know what happened to the body laying by the bathtub <laughs> and why the whole band is in there. I don't remember. But anyway, you know, it's, it's rock and roll. That, that's the, the idea. It's kind of tongue in cheek. So, again, John Charles, Rebellion and Truth, brilliant photographer. Um, now, the inside art, if you look closely, I don't know if you guys are, like, uh, if you've seen all the cartoon, the, the skulls, the badges, the skull badges of the different band members. That's all my artwork. That's stuff that I designed. I designed a different badge for every member of the band. Well, that, that's cool. I didn't. I didn't know that. Uh, that that's actually very cool. Did did that just come about? Were you just like drawing, or were you asked? Uh, how'd that come about? Well, I mean, I don't know who's going to ask me because basically, you know what I mean. I think of it as my band. So, hey, man, draw me a skull. The, the guys would probably laughed at me if they hadn't seen them first. Um. <laughs> I think I think it just goes back to the old school, you know. I mean, I wanted everybody in the band to be recognized for their identity because everybody contributes what they what they bring in makes this what it is at one point or another whether it's, you know, whether they're actually writing or or not, they're there. They're physically present. The way they play on those recordings, you know. Um and I think about like so a good example would be Kiss. Everybody knows who every member of KISS is. They're highly identifiable, you know, and, and I go back to Appetite for Destruction, right? Everybody's got their character, their thing. And I just wanted something like that for the guys in this band. And that's why I did it. I, I took the coolest things that I could remember or think of or, you know what I mean? All the stuff from my history. And I said, let's make it identifiable because I think everybody deserves to be recognized. So if you, if you, again, if you look at the art, if you go to Angels in Vain on Facebook or, 
Instagram, you'll you'll see it up there right away. You know what I mean? You'll you'll see the icons and you'll get it because everybody's got their color and everybody's got their own look. Oh yeah, no, I definitely really like it to make you know, as you said, to make everything a very identifiable for each band member because as we've been talking about it takes all those band members to work together to make this music as you said about with the uh, with the tub and the hole and all that that it, it only takes one to ruin it so you know everyone's very identifiable you guys work very well together and the patches look cool no lie they look awesome thank you thank you those will be available at some point <laughs> i don't know that's true <laughs> what cool hmm. hey yeah <laughs> <clears throat> <laughs> hey, never know. Mar hey, merchandise. I mean, hey, man. <laughs> I'd buy them. You know what I mean? I mean, of course, I'm the guy that made them, but I would buy them. They're cool. I think they're cool. Oh, definitely. And I I'll leave links uh, to your Instagram and Facebook for Angels in Vain. If everyone wants to, you know, see what we're talking about, definitely head over there as well. Yes, please. And Come on, North Marrier. That's right. All right. Make sure to like and uh, follow as well while you're over there. Now, last thing about Angels in Vain, I did want to talk about. So, what's kind of the plans moving forward for this band? Are, do you plan on you know going on tour or doing some live shows uh, to support the album? That's a sixty-four million dollar question. So, uh, everybody's asking that, and my pat answer is kind of like, let's see how many people want the record. Let's let's see if there's call for it you know what i mean if enough people want this if there's a reason then the band will sit down and talk about it i'm sure because again you know what i mean every like um so troy plays in white lion and tantric and he manages stuff and he's like and so I'm sorry, Troy, if I'm screwing this up, depending on who you're out on the road with right now, but like he's out there right now. That guy is busy, right? Um, Taz is the guitarist for Creed Fisher and the Union Underground. Those are two very different things, right? But I mean, we're talking about, these guys are headlining major festivals. Adam is out with Candlebox. He's got two other bands. I'm on my couch doing absolutely nothing now kidding i mean i've got stuff going on too so if people really really want it we'll f figure it out i mean so far so good i haven't looked at downloads but like i said I, I know we're already on multiple orders of hard copy and i didn't know anybody had any any interest in hard copy i would have thought vinyl first you know just because it's cool but um it's possible i'll, I'll, I'll never say never but Let's just wait and see. I, I do like that. I do hope uh, if the if stars align and you guys are able to tour, I think that would be awesome. And I'd definitely love to see uh, Angels and Bane live. Yeah, I will. I will. I will say this too, real quick. You know, if Ozzy called up and he said, "We're doing a tour and we want you fuckers out with us," we would go. You know what I mean? There are certain exceptions to every rule. Oh, but, no, there, you know, there definitely is. And Ozzy Osbourne being definitely one of those. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just because it's Ozzy Osbourne. <laughs> exactly. Know? I I don't think no matter, almost like no matter what he said, I think I would say yes to anything. Like, yeah, if Ozzy said it, gotta do it. <laughs> First, you gotta understand what he said. Hey, this is Matthew. 
That's a good point. Yeah. You gotta go to your pharmacist and have them, like, you know, translate. All right. Okay. <laughs> I got, that was that was good. That was good. All right. I um I just had a few more things I did want to touch uh touch on, then we'll be wrapping this up. I really appreciate hanging out with you. You're really awesome, and I really appreciate uh you chatting with me. You want to know why my dog bit my lip? Go ahead, ask. <laughs> Is that a hey, that's a real thing? I mean <laughs> That's a real thing. Oh, it's a real thing. Oh yeah, no, I'm sitting here thinking my lips been bleeding all morning and I'm like, man, that sucks. I gotta, I gotta do an interview today, but I was playing, I got, okay. So I've got three German. We talked about this before you yep. started rolling, but, um, I've got three German shepherds and my baby, his name's Chaka. See how many of your followers get that reference land of the lost, the TV series, not the bad movie with Will Ferrell, but, uh, Chuck is 10 months old and he's like 85 pounds. He's enormous. He's this giant, huge, just glute of a puppy. And I was out playing with him right before coming in here. And he jumped up and just got me, man. He got my face. He got a hold of me. And just, so I'm like, all right. I got in a fight in the bar last night. And yeah, okay. So anyway, that's the story before like you know the herpes rumors start spreading on your <laughs> I, I mean that's what they do they do spread uh oh oh that was good that was that was really good yeah considering i spent as much time as i have on a tour bus i can validate your statement although i personally never <laughs> we can move past this part of the conversation yeah i think we should <laughs> all right well last question and then we wrapping this up um yeah. so for you you as we talked about you very extensive music career covering many different uh bands but for you either musically or in your personal life is there anything that you want to try that you haven't yet wow it's a it's a great question. Um, well, I've, I've gone swimming with sharks. I've tried skydiving. Um, I was in a band with Tracy Guns. Um, man, what's left? I, I I don't know. I can't. You know. I mean. I want to give you some kind of a brilliant or really funny answer, but. What's going to happen is we're going to end this conversation and like two minutes from now, I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> but no, because I, I, I'm a guy that if I get something in my head, I'll do it. So there really isn't a lot that I felt challenged by or desired to do that I haven't gone after. Uh, sorry for the boring answer. No, no, I, I completely. I, I was just curious if there was anything, uh, in, you know, in your life you haven't tried. But you just let you know, swim with sharks, skydiving, you know, in a band with Tracy Guns. I mean, for that's a complete life for. I think everybody you would ask. <laughs> right, right. Um, uh, Prince Steven Tyler's son with Steven. Ooh, wait, you actually did that? Oh yeah. 
Wait, wait, yeah. I, I, okay. How, how'd that come about? I'm, I'm very curious. Oh, you want this story yeah. now? Well, I mean, you, you brought it up. I can't just leave that. Okay. Yeah, I know. I kind of just dropped it like a microphone. Um, so what happened was I was at the MGM Grand in the afternoon while Aerosmith were sound checking or they were whatever it was they were doing. Uh, I'll back up a little. I have a really like longtime friend. And she was coming into town seeing Aerosmith. She's seen them a million times. She's like a super fan. And uh, her and her significant other were coming in and called and said, hey, we're coming to town. And I was like, you know, stay with us. Well, she goes, Dan doesn't want to go to this thing. I've got tickets for this afternoon, like meet and greet deal with like uh, Tom Hamilton and uh, Joey Kramer. And do you want to go with me? And I thought, well, you'll never catch me general population at an Aerosmith show. You know, uh, it's a death sentence. But in the middle of the afternoon when there's nobody there, yeah, that would be cool. So I ended up going and we were hanging out. And while we were hanging out, um, pretty girl tapped me on the shoulder. And she's like, you know, are you Chris Van Dahl? And I was like, do I owe you money? <laughs> and she, she said, I'm Steven's PA, which is personal assistant. He'd like to have. He'd like to see you backstage. And I was like, really? And she said, yes. I said, well, can my friend come? And she gave me a look that was just daggers. And I said, look, man, if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't be here. So if she can't go, she got really pissed off. She was like, yeah, she can come back. So we ended up going back, and we got out, we got to the dressing room, and I hear talking on the inside. The door's closed. She's like, wait here. And, um. Door opens and Steven's sitting on this chair with his ratty sweats hiked up and his t-shirt. He jumps out of his chair. He goes, get over here, motherfucker. And then he gives me a hug and grabs my face and he looks at me and he goes, we look good, but our eyes are too close. This is me actually really coming literally face to face. There's actually a photo of like the moment somebody captured it. I don't know how, because the, there was never silence from that point forward, but like just two of us looking at each other like that on. And um, we ended up hanging out for a really, really long time. We had a great time. And he goes, we gotta do something, we gotta do something. And I said, what? He goes, get in my makeup chair. So I got in his chair and he put his makeup people around me and he gets on the radio and his son Taj had just started working with him. Taj was like 22, 23, and he's like, Baby Bear, this is Papa Bear. Get your ass in the dressing room right now. I need to see you. And he's laughing and he had this big tie-dye curtain up in front of this closet and he hides behind it. And here comes Taj, and I'm in the chair and I'm facing away from him. And he walks in and I turn slowly to him in the chair and I go, Taj, Daddy doesn't quite feel like himself today. What do you think it is? And Taj goes, what the fuck? And just at that moment, Steven comes out from behind the curtain and just hits the floor, just rolling with tears streaking down his face. So yeah, there's the story. Well, that that's incredible. Thank you for sharing. That was, so I've done that. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, I think that, that, that's... That's awesome, and I think that's a, a great way to. I know we're a little bit over time, so I do appreciate you uh, hanging out. Thank you for sharing the story because that was that's funny. That's funny, and, 
and it wasn't even like your uh, your original idea of Steven Tyler. That's that's even better. Yeah, yeah, it definitely made it better. Yeah, he's a wonderful guy. I, I like to say people ask me what he's like. I say he's like all of us, but on our very best day. That's my experience with Steven anyway. Very warm, loving, giving guy. Oh. That's that's really awesome. Really, really great way to uh, describe it. Incredible um, that you guys actually got to meet. I, I have to look at that photo because I bet, a, bet it was a trip for everyone in the uh, in the dressing room. No. One more thing before I let you go. Because we're talking about bands. And again, it's like my mind plays catch up while we're talking. And again, something worth mentioning, just out of respect for the person I'm mentioning. Um, Jimmy Crespo, who replaced Joe Perry in Aerosmith, him and I, we played together for quite a while. He's the reason I live in Las Vegas. So the Jimmy Crespo project, that was um, Kyle Kyle. Uh, Kyle two times, as I like to call him, from Bang Tango was in that band. Phil Verone from Saigon Kick was in that band. Jimmy Crespo from Aerosmith and Flame was in that band. Uh, and uh, Doc Ellis from Sin City Centers and many, many other things was in that band. So that's, wow. yeah. Not a lot of people know about that because we we kept it in Vegas. But Jimmy and I were actually writing at one point. So how weird is that? That that sounds very cool. Um, and how, how long were you in that project? I don't know, about a year. Okay. I'm guessing. I mean, long enough to, to move from California to Las Vegas, you know, and that was 13 years ago, maybe. It was a long time ago. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So, you're, yeah. you're in a, a lot of cool, you know, bands I even out of a lot of stuff, man. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I like how that to be like people's takeaway from this interview now. <laughs> They're not going to know what to talk about, right? But at least, at least it's interesting. It doesn't matter what they're saying as long as they're talking. That's a good point. That's a very good point. Go but, buy the record. Listen to the record. Let me know what you think of the record. That's what I've got to say to you people, please, because it's a labor of love. If you love real old school rock and roll with modern production, great, great fucking players, pick it up. I mean, don't steal it. Don't download it for free because somebody paid, you know, whatever and loaded it up onto the internet because we won't see our penny a copy then, you know, and we can fill our gas tanks and eat bologna sandwiches too. For sure. Great. Honestly, great message for everybody. And for, for any, any music you love, please pay for, please support the artists who create the, the music because it really helps them out immensely. Yeah. If you want to steal something, steal TV shows, not music. Don't steal anything. <laughs> All right, I'm done. <laughs> All right. Well, Chris, I think that is a fantastic way to end this interview. I will drop some links for Angels in Vain in the description of this podcast. Please check out and support this awesome band. For Chris Vandal of Angels in Vain, I'm your host as always, Matthew Thomas. Thank you so much for watching and listening to Super Cool Radio. And remember, stay frosty. Super Cool!